You know you're in trouble when I come up with two books, right? Not really. I promise, not that bad. Go to Psalm 29. As I mentioned earlier, that's where we are today, Psalm 29. And um, it won't be, if you're one of those version folks, it won't be in there as extra. I don't know what this is. Yeah, it's doing something, right? It's just wonky on my ear. There we go. All right. Um, it won't be on you version because, as I mentioned, I want you to try and picture some things. So I'm going to have pictures up there like I always do. But uh, especially for this one, there's not going to be a lot of text up there except for while we read the psalm itself. Because I want you to try and imagine the things that David says in this psalm. I mentioned last week there are lots of different kinds of psalms. And there are those that we think of maybe more quickly, more readily, which are your worship psalms like this one, where he's just calling on, well, in this case, all of heaven and earth, then the angels themselves to worship together with him. And then there are those psalms that, you know, some are laments, some are just frustration, prayers of frustration, uh, sometimes fear, sometimes anger, sometimes a mix of all of the above. All of them, though, end up in a place of praise. Okay? All of them do. And so as we look at this one, it starts, begins, and ends in a place, not not just of praise. I don't know a good enough word quite for it. This is, uh, you know, when you're talking about music albums, you have, you know, the typical hits and the top ten and all that kind of stuff, and then you get in with various artists into what we call deep cuts. That's the things that the real music fans know and the real fans of those artists know well and maybe they're not as well known but sometimes it's their deeper more soulful uh more uh, requiring more talent kind of music even though it might not have been high on the charts because really most of the stuff that gets higher on the charts is usually the shallower stuff isn't it uh the, the earworm kind of songs but a lot of times they're deeper songs not so much so the psalms kind of work the same way this is a, a deep worship that he gives it's brief easy words Easy pictures for us to imagine, but I think the more you dive into what he's describing, the more deeply you long to worship, which is why he wrote it. That's that's exactly what he wanted this psalm to do. So first, as always, just like when we were doing the parables uh, earlier this year, we're going to read the text. But here's what I want us to do, especially since I've already read it, too. Every time we come to the phrases, ascribe to the Lord, that's going to happen a couple of times. I want you to say that part with me, ascribe to the Lord. And when we come to the phrases or to the phrase, the voice of the Lord, I want you to read out loud with me the phrase, the voice of the Lord. Okay? So y'all got that, right? That's really easy stuff. If you can do guide me, the, oh, thou great Jehovah, you can do this. Okay? No problem. Uh, I'm going to come back to that one here in just a second. All right. So the now the hard part is you got to start off right with me, right? Right at the very beginning. You don't even know the rhythm yet. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian. I almost said sirloin, which honestly kind of fits the verse, does it not? I'm going to start six over now that I'm distracted. 
He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. To the Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people and may the Lord bless his people with peace. This is a really neat song. And I love the the three different sections that you have here. You probably already caught. There's three really distinct sections. The first being what we would call in our church service, a, a call to worship. And that's what it is for David. This is a call to worship and, and a call, again, not just uh, the people who showed up at the temple or wherever they might be singing this song, but even the heavens themselves, that he speaks to them. So look at, at verse 1. It says, Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Those heavenly beings, those mighty ones, is what some translations will say, are the angels. The cherubim and the seraphim that we read about in Revelation chapter 4 and in chapter 5 and in Isaiah that encircle the throne and fly around above the throne crying out, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. David looks at the heavens and says, Angels, I want you to sing with me. And I mentioned last week, sometimes we need to stop and realize that's exactly what just happened. That just happened with us. And I think that's so awesome. Uh, I Curly sent me songs. He asked me what the topic was, and I just said Psalm 29. I gave you nothing else, did I? I gave him nothing. Psalm 29. I figured, it, you know, it spoke for itself, and it did. So if I was going to suggest a couple of songs, Glorify Thy Name and Majesty would have been right there in that. Uh, Majesty is a song I learned in a Bible class. I didn't learn it at church. I learned it in a Bible class, uh, I think, in, in a Revelation class with Richard Rogers because Richard just absolutely loved that song. He had learned it at the church where the preacher at a church in California wrote that song, and he had learned it there, and he loved it and brought it back and was teaching it to us as a class. And then you have uh, Glorify Thy Name. That was when I was in AIM, Adventures and Missions. That was our class song that year. We sang that all the time. Back then it was not new. It was written in the 70s, but it was new to the Churches of Christ, okay? So we were usually a little bit behind sometimes on the songs. And so... Uh, that was a, a new song for me when I went to AIM, and it was our class song, and I love it. Uh, for one, it was one of the first mentions I remember hearing at church of the Holy Spirit in a song, because some churches didn't let you sing about the Holy Spirit back in the 80s when I was a young Christian. And I know that sounds really, really odd, but some of you know what I'm talking about. We're over it, okay? We're over it. And, and so now we're singing with the angels with the verses they were already singing, which is smart. I think that's a good thing to do. And we sing with them. And David says, give him glory. That's what a scribe means. It means to give God all the glory, do his name. Just pour it on. There's a sense in the Hebrew word that's translated here as a scribe. Some of yours will actually say give glory to God. Uh, the way that that can be translated is also come on. And I love that. That David tells the angel, come on and sing with us. It's and you're you're hearing Bob Barker. I didn't mean come on down, but you know if you need to later, we'll have a song. You can do that. But it, really, this is what he's trying to get the angels to do. I don't think though 
that you have much trouble getting the angels to praise God, do you? I know the angels probably are sometimes looking at us and going, come on, step it up a little bit, James. But I don't think we have much trouble. I think they jump right in as soon as there's a chance. The picture given the book of Revelation is that the worship never ends. It just goes on and on to his glory. Because when would his glory end? Never. And so just throughout all eternity, praise and worship and glory just pour forth from their mouth. And David says, let's do this together, angels. Let's worship God together. And that's his opening line in this song is to is to worship together. And it's just a really beautiful thing. That last thing I have up there, I do want to touch on because this phrase really just kept catching my mind and heart this week as I was going through this psalm. And earlier uh, this week, Tanya and I, we went to uh, Waco over the 4th of July holiday. And I used to make fun of people that went to Waco for a, for a vacation. Honestly, I'm just confessing because Waco, I mean, you know, but we we went and stayed in a treehouse, got up. I know that sounds odd, but that's what we did. So we went and we in this treehouse, it had this great little small table with a great big window looking out through the branches of the tree in the morning. The sun's shining. You can hear the cicadas, which I know some people get annoyed by the sound of cicadas. I love them for me. That is the soundtrack of all my childhood summers growing up in San Angelo. My grandparents had a front and backyard covered with pecan trees, big mature pecan trees. No cicadas were everywhere, and they were singing, and that just meant I was outside in the sun, in the summer, having fun. I love it. For me, when we read those passages where it talks about creation shouting the praise of God, there are cicadas in there, okay? They don't, they are not. That is not an annoying sound to me. That is just, you know, part of the, 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 the background noise. I don't know what they would be considered. They're not exactly rhythmic because they're just, you know, they don't, they don't stop long enough to have a rhythm. And it just keeps going. But I love it. And that's worship. So I sat there with my coffee, looking out this window, the cicadas singing and reading this passage. And this line just jumped out at me and has all week since. Worship the Lord in the splendor and this is the splendor of holiness in the ESV. I was reading the NIV that day. In the splendor of his holiness. So not just the splendor of holiness, but the splendor of his holiness. When you think about splendor, what comes to mind for you? Just imagine this for a second. If if this is David and talking to you, and it is David, and he is talking to you as well, what does it mean to worship God in splendor? I don't think he's talking about uh, there needs to be gold leaf up here on these rocks in front of the baptistry. I don't think he's saying we ought to rip these out and put in a bunch of bright stained glass windows. I'm not knocking any of those things, actually, uh, because the temple, if you ever read the description, was pretty ornate. So it's not like God's against that sort of thing. Uh, but we don't need it. We don't have to have it. So if we are to have splendor, where is that splendor really supposed to come from? the heart. Now, what does it mean to worship God in splendor? I was thinking about, you know, if we reverse the direction of this, if it's the way that God blesses us, because worship is a blessing to God. I remember somebody telling me one time, I don't know why we sing that song, bless the Lord at all times. There's no way we can bless God. You can't bless God. And I wanted to say, you realize that's a quote of the Psalms, right? But I didn't. The first time, the second time I did. <laughs> but 
It's straight out of Scripture. Bless the Lord at all times. We bless God when we give Him honor. We bless Him when we give Him thanks. We bless Him when we just are the kind of people we are supposed to be in the same way that a good child is a blessing to a father or a mother. We're a blessing to God. We should be. But if we reverse it and look at God's blessing of us, John uses in 1 John chapter 3 in verses 1 and 2, he uses this phrase and he's talking about what it's going to be like after the resurrection. He says, we don't know. We don't know what we'll be. We just know that we're going to be like him. But he also uses a word about God's blessings toward us. And he uses this phrase, how great is the love that he has lavished on us. Just poured, David says, you know, in Psalm 23, till his cup is overflowing. Uh, you, you see the description sometimes in Proverbs as well as in Psalms, the idea of oil. Uh, being poured over your head and running down your beard. Uh, Solomon uses that imagery as well. Just this imagery of just overflowing, lavish blessing. Maybe if we wanted a New Testament example, we would go to the woman who anoints Jesus' feet with her tears or to the woman who anoints him with the ointment. Those examples are splendor. The widow who gave her might, Jesus saw that, and to him, that was splendor. No gold leaf, no stained glass, none of that, but a heart so overflowing with gratitude, praise, and a deep faith, in the case of the widow and her two mites, that you could call that splendor. A church that might be small in number compared to the rest of the world, but that pours forth praise from the heart. And that's not really necessarily measured, although it can be indicative. Uh, it's not necessarily measured by things like volume or speed or things like that, or even which song you chose. Uh, Night with Eben Pinion can be splendor. That's a slow song. If you don't know that song because you're going, I, did he just speak in tongues? I didn't. That's English. Night with Eben Pinion. Um, and it's a slow one. I mean, you, you, you I think, the, I think it's in the Bible not to sing that one fast, you know, and they took that seriously where I grew up. So it was night with ebon pinion and they would consider that fast. That was fast, but slow can be incredibly deep. Slow can be incredibly meaningful. It just depends on the song and the heart, doesn't it? Why? So it's it's not a physical measurement. It's not a, a speed measurement. It's not even a volumetric measurement. Splendor is worship from the heart. Isn't that what Jesus told the lady in John chapter 4 at the well? The worshipers that the Father seeks are those who worship in truth and in spirit. In the splendor of his holiness, David says. Worship the Lord in splendor. So when you worship and when you sing and when you pray, whether that's by yourself in front of a window, listening to cicadas, or whether it is here with us as a church, make it your aim to worship the Lord in a way that he would look at and use words like splendor, holy, lavish, blessing, and see if that doesn't boomerang blessing as well back into your own heart. 
in the same way that it makes us feel better to be generous toward people, it makes us feel better to be generous in our praise toward God and to worship him in his holiness. Then we go come to the second section. And the second section is all about the voice of the Lord. And I want to focus on this one uh, really more with these pictures. Okay, so the first picture he gives us is that the voice of the Lord thunders over the water. And I love that imagery because we feel that. And maybe you're th- picturing, you know, the beginning of Gilgun's Island. I have no idea. Or a storm that you've been in out on the sea or the perfect storm in that movie. The power of all of that. Whenever they're showing images of, of news reporters blow away in, in hurricanes in Florida. Just this imagery of water. Now, Israel was, you know, it was kind of like Brown County. It was nowhere near the water in terms of really big, huge ocean-type waters and waves. It had water, but kind of like Texas, you know, it's over there, but it's not quite the big deal that it is if you're out in the North Atlantic, for example, and battling a storm there. So Israel had uh, a different relationship with water than, say, the Greeks, okay? The Israelites and, and the Jews kind of saw water as as something to fear. It was not something they felt they had mastered. You see that in the stories in the New Testament with Jesus, don't you? You see that with the disciples. Even though some of the people on that boat were professional fishermen, they still were scared to death when the storm came up. And they think that Jesus is down the, in the hole to sleep. And they are thinking that they are going to die. And they go to Jesus. They Don't you even care? Why don't you care that we're about to die? Because they are scared to death, but not as scared as they're about to be. Because Jesus gets up, and I bet Jesus used his dad voice. He gets up and he says, peace, be still. And everything calm. Can you imagine what that has to be like? The voice of the Lord thunders over the waters. They would see it in the power of a thunderstorm. I enjoy a good thunderstorm as long as, you know, things aren't flying at my windows and stuff like that, right? When the Mitsubishi start going over, we don't enjoy that one so much. But a good thunderstorm is is a, a cool and awesome thing to watch because you realize that this is really just just a little breeze to the Lord. It's a small thing to God. It's just a part of the normal cycle of his creation. And yet it's something that has incredible power that can invoke a lot of fear on our part if we're smart enough to fear things that can be as dangerous as storms can be. David says, I may be afraid of the storm, but the storm is afraid of my God. The voice of the Lord thunders over the waters, and it did that day on that boat, and everything went calm because of the authority and the power over creation that Jesus, as the Son of God, invoked. goes on, he says, the voice of the Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. Now, we probably don't have a lot of experience with the cedars of Lebanon. That is one. That's the kind of tree that that is being talked about. And in this picture, uh, it's kind of hard to get scale. I realize that, and the screen's a little dim today. But this is a really, I don't know how far around the trunk is, but the tree's probably about 100 feet tall. So if you picture 100 feet tall, how big that trunk would have to be around to be that big on that tree. It says, the voice of the Lord 
breaks that thing like matchsticks. No problem. If God speaks that tree to be cast into the ocean, that tree can go. He can move the mountain. He can move the tree. This was one of the best pieces of lumber you could buy. This is the kind of tree that Solomon commissioned to be used for the building of the temple. And again, you read about it in Nehemiah. This is it. These are the kinds of trees that they used for lumber because it was an incredibly high-quality, high-strength wood, great for shipbuilding and building, 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 and things like that. Just a great piece of wood. By the way, little trivia, they also say it smells really good. I have no idea because I've never gotten to go see one. But an incredible tree to use. This was something they were very familiar with. Imagine in our context, if he starts talking about 100-year oaks, the voice of the Lord, this tree out here that has a trunk the size of a small Italian car, and he just speaks to it and it shatters. That's important for us because we need to know the power of the God that we serve. When things seem threatening, when things seem scary, we need to know this is the God who speaks for us. He's also the God who speaks to us, and we need to respect the authority. But he's also the God who speaks for us. It's an incredible strength because David is trying to think of things that would encapsulate for them how big would it be. And it's all compared to God, just tiny, trivial. What's a tree? A small thing to the voice of the Lord. And yet he speaks on your behalf. He talks about some positive things. He says, he makes Lebanon skip like a calf. It was mentioned to me last week. I had the wrong color. I've got the right color today. It's black and white. See? All right. There we go. So last last week I had a Guernsey up there. This this week it's a Holstein. Now for my family, next week i got to find some way. Well, I'll be gone. The week after next, i got to squeeze in an, an Angus in there somewhere. Uh, I shouldn't have mentioned Angus because then you think burgers and then you think lunch and then you're hungry and I'm right there with you. Okay. But he says he makes he makes Lebanon skip like a calf. Like the, the culture and the people and the, and the country and the creation, the mountainous area of Lebanon skip like calf. What does it mean? Happy and excited and joyful, just out there running. You know, I'm out of there and I'm alive and it is good. And he just makes them shout and shout with praise. And he says just a, a glorious thing. For if he was going to write this to me, I grew up, we grew up in a family with cattle. So this this speaks to me, but even more in terms of what I enjoy watching is deer. Y'all know I'm I'm a hunter, but I enjoy just as much just watching them. I mean, well, I mean, the burger was good this week, but I really do enjoy watching them. And most of all, I love watching fawns just run out there, around out there and play. You know, I consider it a privilege on days when you're out there and it's a beautiful sunny day and you got a couple of fawns that come in and they're just running around and playing around out there. It's just a fun thing to watch. And, it, and, and it's beautiful. And so he covers that here in just a second. We'll come back to it. Then he kind of goes back into the, but now let's think about how much we need to respect the power of the Lord. The voice of the Lord flashes forth in flames of fire. It reminds me, I don't know if this is what he intended, but it reminds me of Sinai. And so that's the picture that I have up there is this image of Sinai where they're told, like in Hebrews 12, I read last week, that we did not come, but they did to a mountain where they feared the Lord, where they were told, if you touch even the base of the mountain, even if just even if that poor calf I just showed you touches the base of the mountain, 
It is to be stoned to death. But Hebrews 12, the writer says, that's not where we are. We have come to Mount Zion. We have come into the presence of God in a whole different way. But we need to remember he is still this God. He is the God with this authority who can speak the law. On that mountain, he gave Moses the Ten Commandments. He has that authority. He has that right. He has the right of judgment as the judge of the universe. And so remember that. And then he swings back to where we, we, we like to be a little, feel a little bit more comfortable, right? The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth. And it's a shame David's having to go upstairs right now. This is this probably be his new favorite verse. It's God who makes the deer give birth. And aren't you glad that he does? And just that imagery of God is the God of creation, the God of life, that nothing goes on in this world that doesn't happen because in terms of life and creation and birth that isn't by his creation and will, a result of his voice. Dan mentioned earlier the tree and made reference to the creation story when, where God says it is good. Well, what was good? Everything he spoke into creation. The voice of the Lord spoke into into reality, the universe. The voice of the Lord spoke into reality, the beauty that we see all around us, which, by the way, the beauty we see is after it all got messed up several times. So imagine what creation should have been like had we gotten to see it uncorrupted. No droughts, no damage, nothing. We can't even, we don't even know. We don't even know. Some of the things we think are beautiful are actually the scars from problems. We don't know how good it was before that. Incredible. He speaks all of that. Jesus, to show how much he cares in the same way as this passage, taught, telling us not to worry. He says, what are you so worried about? You, you've seen the birds. If God cares enough to feed a sparrow, don't you think he's going to feed you? Why are you worried about food and clothes? Why are you worried about tomorrow? God takes care of even these. Isn't he going to take care of you as well? And he reminds us, the voice of the Lord still speaks life and birth and creation. This picture, by the way, I'm just going to tell you because this is one of my favorite pictures in my photo album. This I took this uh, 20 years ago, nearly. Good grief. Uh, at the battlefield of Saratoga, we were out there turning around the Saratoga batter, battlefield and right over there where the was a mom and her fawn walking through the forest. And it was just like the perfect little scene. And I just always loved that. God did that. God's voice did that. Every last bit of it, including the tree Dan was talking about. The tree, which, by the way, was already alive when this psalm was written. And was actually already old when this psalm was written. And look at the next part. This is the, the next session, section. He says... Uh, the Lord gives the voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple all cry glory. Every picture we have of the throne room of God is worship. Everyone. Look at Revelation. Look at Isaiah. Look at Ezekiel. All of them. There is worship and there is glory. And here again, David invites us to be part of those people. He says, because he knows this is going to be sung at the temple and read at the temple. So everybody in the temple cries, glory, glory. 
And then he gives us a promise and a blessing. The Lord sits enthroned above the flood, over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. And I don't know, but what this doesn't foreshadow, the king that had been promised, who would come through the line of David and would sit on the throne forever. Does Jesus reign this morning? He does. Will Jesus reign tomorrow, whatever happens today? He does. Does Jesus reign the day that you pass from this life and open your eyes in the next? He does. He reigns as king for ever and ever. And so we have this blessing. May the Lord give strength to his people. Whatever you face, this is the God who's at your side. As we read last week, this is the God who goes before you and comes in behind you. This is the God who delivers, who speaks into your life when you feel like you're in a storm. Peace. Be still. May the Lord give strength to his people, and may the Lord bless his people with peace. Let's stand and sing.